All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Slapshot Sammy podcast. This is the NHL Trade Deadline Edition. I am joined by my man, Warren Nielsen. What's up, Warren? Not much, just milking some sore quads from some pickup hockey, you know? Yeah, I see. You know, you are as well. Yeah, we're both sore. Play. It's not the same as the old days. You play one men's league or pickup game, and you're <laughs> sore for a month. Um, people are asking me, you want to join a tournament with me? I'm, Dude, I'm not joining a tournament. I can't play, barely play one game a week here. Um, Warren <laughs> is is sporting. I know you can't see him right now, but Warren is sporting a fly fishing slash bird watching outfit out there in Oregon. Um just getting ready for his move to Vermont. Maybe I'm not really sure, but we are going to talk trade deadline. We are recording this uh, a day late today so we can get all the trades uh, and everything up to date. So we're the trade deadline has come and gone. It is 5 p.m. Central time right now. So a couple hours past the deadline uh, and all the trades should have trickled through by now. Sometimes there's a late one that pops through, especially with those West teams that just don't seem to know how to do their paperwork. But we're going to talk trade deadline, winners and losers of the deadline, and then we're going to talk some other things here. So let's just dive right in. Uh, first thing I want to do before we jump into the NHL is the Frozen Four finished up this past weekend, um, and it was wild. Like we said, every week we've done this, the college games have just been crazy, and uh, all of our picks, I think, lost, I'm pretty sure, the ones we picked last week. So Let's go over what happened. Um, we had UMass playing Minnesota Duluth, which was the the bigger game that we, you know, me and Warren both predicted would be the winner of that would probably be the winner of the whole thing. Um, Duluth looked like Duluth in the beginning of that game and just absolutely shut down UMass. UMass actually took a one nothing lead, but after that, Duluth tied it up and there was no space for UMass whatsoever. Duluth gets in that very type of like New Jersey, uh, Boston style where they just play the one, two, two trap. They dominate the, um, the neutral zone and they just don't give a lot of space. And the announcers were even saying over and over, UMass has to find a way to do something to just get the puck to the net, try to get some tips, do something to get uh, some offense going because otherwise Duluth's going to wear them down and defend their way to the win. Um, and they were able to do it. Uh, UMass actually was able to respond. And after Duluth took the two, two to one lead, uh, UMass tied it up in the third period, and then UMass absolutely dominated the overtime period. Um, I think the overtime only went like seven minutes, something like that, um, before UMass was able to win in overtime, which was so cool because UMass was another one of those teams that got hit by COVID, and they got hit by it really hard. They lost their top scorer and their starting goalie, along with three other guys uh, that had to watch the game from home. And, you know, that's really tough for a team that UMass is not a team that's always in it, so you know, that's, that's their year. They won the hockey East for the first time ever. That was their year to really make a push. And it would have really stunk for them if they lost because they were missing those guys, but their backup goalie actually, uh, dominated in the game. Their, their actual backup for that game, I think was their equipment manager. Uh, so that would have been something funny if the, I saw some tweets from the UMass club team saying, we got a couple goalies for you if you need us. Um, so it was one of those situations where, he had to step up and he did. He made a, a ton of saves, a lot of big saves, especially when it was tied um, and UMass able to, to win the game in overtime against Duluth. Um, so Duluth unable to complete the three-peat, uh, but UMass finds its way into its first, uh, not its first title, but game. But um, I think they're, they were in the title two years ago as well and lost to Duluth. So get a little redemption there. The other game was St. Cloud versus Minnesota State, which was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, back and forth the entire way. 
three to one um, St. Cloud. And then all of a sudden Minnesota State stormed back, scoring three straight, made it four to three in the third period. And then uh, St. Cloud ties it up with, you know, maybe eight minutes left, something like that. And then they score again right after that with with less than a minute left to win uh, the game five to four. So uh, back and forth, that one was fun. Thought it would be a little bit uh, of a easier game for St. Cloud, and it looked like it was when it was three to one. But um, Minnesota State, props to them. They they were not as good of a team as a lot of the guys that were in these this tournament. They were able to beat Minnesota and then able to almost beat St. Cloud. Um, and so big props to them. Championship game, not so much to write about. Uh, UMass, absolutely dominant from the start. They got their players back. Those two guys were able to come back. Uh, their starting goalie and their top scorer were able to play in the game. And they, they St. Cloud never got off the starting blocks. The UMass scored early. They scored, um, I think it was 3-0 in the first period. Uh, the 3-0 goal was a shorthanded goal. Sports Center top 10, please check it out, by Philip Lagunoff. Absolutely danced the the defender and beat the goalie on a shorthanded breakaway to make it three nothing, which you could just see took the life out of St. Cloud. Um, as much as you can come back from a three nothing game, giving up a you know you get the power play, you think there's our chance, make it two to one, and give up a shorthanded goal um, makes it three nothing. So UMass goes up three nothing there, ended up winning the game five to nothing, um, a shutout for the goalie coming back in, and that's their first title. So congratulations to UMass. Either one of those teams would have been the first title for them. St. Cloud State now has had a tough time. Um, they were the number one overall seed two years in a row and lost in the first round and second round, I believe, and then this year now making it to the final. Who knows now? Maybe next year will be their year. Uh, maybe it's like a you know Washington Capitals kind of situation where they continuously look like they're the best team, don't win, and then finally break through um, and win that championship. So excited for next year. I'm just excited to have some fans. They had 50% capacity at the Frozen Four, and it, it was awesome to see just a decent amount of people. Now most you know arenas are 20, 25% jumping up. Now Texas is going up to 50. So. Um, really hoping that when we hit the fall next year, that we just go right into hundred percent and everything's good there because you heard they had, they pumped the band sound in, you know, they don't have the real band and, um, especially college, the atmosphere is, is the biggest part of the game. So it was a fun year overall. And I big props to the NCAA for finishing it, uh, just like the NHL last year, just like all the sports making their way all the way to the season and crowning a champion was something that was very difficult. And, uh, they were able to get through and, and do that. So props to them on that one. Um, let's jump in now to the NHL. So trade deadline, like I said, was today. Um, there were some teams that we knew were going to be big buyers or big sellers, um, whether they were trying to make a playoff push or were at the bottom of the standings, <clears throat> Detroit. And, uh, you know, just interesting to see what was going to happen, though, because of all these other rules like we've talked about before, where they have to quarantine in certain situations. Um, you don't want to trade inter interdivision because you know you're going to play some of those teams in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so it was quieter than usual. Um, you know, anything shock you about the the trade deadline before we jump into the actual deals? I think it was so last minute. Um, you know, nothing really. I think you know Paul Mary got traded, obviously, but there's a lot of stuff we were kind of anticipating to happen a little earlier, like big names. Uh, it wasn't too and anyone too crazy. I'd say like the Mantha trade was pretty big. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's still some some things up in the air. You know, maybe we expect a few more goalies to go, or a couple teams that we thought more more kind of like playoff teams or borderline teams like Chicago. You know, might make a push for some people, or 
or uh, like Nashville. But yeah, I, I think it was actually a pretty interesting trade deadline. So we'll, we'll we'll go we'll go through it here. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just gonna go through. I'm not gonna list off every one of them. I think there was about on deadline day there was about 18 trades. Um, like to, total is like 20 to 22. So not a ton, um, and a, a ton of them were for picks. Not a whole lot of hockey trades, which is how they like to call when it's a you know a guy who's not an expiring UFA or not you know, for some draft picks. Um, there was only a couple of those. So let's go through. I'm just going to highlight some of the bigger ones. Uh, one you just mentioned, it wasn't on the deadline day. It was before Islanders get Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac uh, in exchange for AJ Greer and Mason Jobs and a couple picks. That was big for them because they obviously lost Anders Lee and they needed some scoring. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs acquire Riley Nash from Columbus. Colorado acquired Patrick Nemeth. Um, and then bigger news, Colorado acquired Devin Dubnik, which was big because they were looking for a goalie. Uh, kind of forgot about Dubnik a little bit. He moved out to San Jose and I just he hasn't been great and San Jose hasn't been great. So I kind of forgot about him. So that's a that's a big one um, for them. Florida Panthers acquire Brandon Montour from the Buffalo Sabres. That was their first you know trade after stall um, that we knew was going to be a bunch coming from that that team. Tampa Bay Lightning, a big one for them. Um, David's. The Columbus Blue Jackets was a really big signing for on their defensive side. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs were, were the, the winners in the Nick Foligno battle. Uh, we knew he was probably going to go, and they were able to to pick him up along with um, or along with Stefan Nosen in a three way trade. One of those confusing ones with the third with the Sharks being the third team in there. Um, Sharks were helped out a lot of teams this year. They, they were either the the third team in a player trade or they. were helping out with some of the salary cap with other teams, but Toronto gets Nick Foligno on that one. Toronto then gets David Riddick, which we knew goalie, goalie, goalie is what they were thinking. Frederick Anderson staying healthy and also never had a good backup. All of a sudden Jack Campbell comes in and he's 11 and zero, maybe now 12 and zero on this season, um, which is awesome. So they, they have some options, but they really wanted to have a guy and uh, that could they could count on just in case. And David Riddick is no elite goaltender, but he's shown flashes of, of greatness in Calgary and other places that he's been. Um, and, uh, you know, at one point was their guy in Calgary a couple of years ago. So big signing for them. Boston Bruins acquired defenseman Mike Riley from the Senators. Uh, Islanders made another move getting Braden Coburn from the Senators as well. Defenseman there. Pittsburgh, surprising one, signed Jeff Carter from the Kings. Uh, I think all time, well, all time, or did he play for somewhere else? Did Jeff Carter ever play anywhere else? I think he's been the Kings. He won the cup with him, definitely. Yeah, he. I know he's been the Kings we'll at least see. most of the career. Um, so that was a, kind he's of a surprising mom. one. Um, Boston Bruins acquire forwards Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. That was Taylor Hall was one of the big names on the list, as he is seemingly every year at the trade deadline. And uh, he went to Boston, which was another surprise. You know, the, the teams they thought were going to be the, on the Taylor Hall list, Boston was not really one of them, um, at least in my mind. But Chicago made a move to get uh, Adam Gaudet in exchange for Matthew Highmore, which was good for them to get a little scoring depth. Uh, Kulikov, Dmitry Kulikov from the Devils goes to the Edmonton Oilers. Colorado made another move getting Carl Soderberg, who we know has potential in Chicago, but has been had has pretty down year the last couple of years. Um, Vegas made a interesting move, picking up Matias Yanmark from Chicago. Uh, he had just signed with Chicago after being with Dallas for his whole career. So that was a uh, interesting one on their end, uh, should provide some some depth to their offense a little bit. Um, 
The Ducks acquire Hayden Fleury from Carolina for Yanni Hakpana. <laughs> uh, Hayden Fleury is a good player, and I don't think Carolina um, fans, at least, wanted to get rid of him. So that's a good good pickup for Anaheim um, on their end. Washington Capitals make the big splash, as we just talked about. The big hockey trade of the day um, with Anthony Mantha going to Washington. Um, he is only on the first year of his four-year deal. So it was a little surprising. He was a trade bait a little bit because of his season, but uh, kind of surprising. And they gave up a lot for him. Jacob Verana and Richard Panic and, and second round pick is a lot to get for Mantha. Um, so obviously watch that Mantha has a high ceiling um, and can provide a lot of scoring for them going forward. Then we got towards the end of the day. Most of these came in after the uh, deadline was starting to come to a close. Um, the Florida Panthers acquire Sam Bennett from Calgary. A uh, little depth forward there. Montreal picks up Eric Gustafson from Philadelphia. Nashville picks up Eric Gudrinson from, uh, from Ottawa. Washington picks up Michael Raffle from the Philadelphia Flyers. And the Winnipeg Jets picked up Jordy Ben from the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, first impressions here, you know, before we get into the winners and losers, what's, what stands out to you here? Stevie Y is a better GM than he is a player. That guy is a freaking wizard. I mean, he picked up like five picks in the next, you know, two years and dealt. All he dealt was Mantha and Nemeth. I, I think that was just unbelievable. Uh, seeing Taylor Hall, unfortunately, it sounds like there's another team cursed by Taylor Hall. So that's unfortunate. Um I, I I think like the the Panthers with Sam Bennett was just a strong move on their part, especially for just a six round pick, and they're going to be probably a playoff team. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that kind of adds their depth. So I think overall, and then Colorado got a goalie. So those are the big kind of headlines to me. You know, teams like Dallas, Chicago, maybe I thought would make a little more splash, like those kind of borderline teams. I don't know what you think. Uh, any any other potential playoff teams that didn't do enough or did too much or. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it with the with the winners and losers a little bit deeper, but I think that um, a couple teams that you know were supposed to make a bigger splash, Winnipeg Jets were one of them. Um, they have a legitimate chance at making the Stanley Cup this year. They've been a really, really good team, and they really needed a defenseman. And let's just go ahead and say Jordy Ben is not the defenseman to bolster your defense. Um, and then Carolina kind of surprised me a little bit. They have been a really good team, but I feel like they could have possibly added some depth as well. They've had some injuries, as has everybody in the league. Um, one that kind of surprised me was Philadelphia. Philadelphia either needed to be, we need to make a stand and buy a couple pieces and show that we're still contender, or we need to get some really good pieces back. Not rebuild, not in a full rebuild mode or anything like that, but show that we want to you know, turn this thing around quickly. They didn't get either. <laughs> they they didn't buy anything good. They got rid of some good players and they didn't get a whole lot back. Um, so they kind of were a confusing one. And then Columbus was going to be another one that was on that line. Were they going to really try to make a push for that spot? Because they're still right in that area. They're a little bit, uh, I think they're below Dallas right now. Um, and they played a few more games. But we kind of thought they'd be on the side of seller and they were. Um, but they were able to get some good stuff back. So to me, um, Tampa is another one that some people thought would add more. Uh, they got Savard, but they're also getting Kucherov back uh, before the playoffs. So they're basically getting a first round, you know, high level player. Um, so let's jump in, though. Let's go winners and losers here. Um, so for me, the winners of the of this deadline, 
First off, the most active team, Toronto Maple Leafs, were thought to be going to be the most active team, and they absolutely were. Uh, I think they made the first trade and made mo the most trades throughout. So Maple Leafs acquired David Riddick from Calgary, like we said, acquired Felino and Stefan Nosen from San Jose slash Columbus, and then acquired uh, Riley Nash from Columbus as well. They also, if you remember back before the deadline, had Galchenyuk um, back in February, I think it was. Um, so they made a splash. So we've talked about this before. This is their best year, not only their best team, but they're in the North Division. So they're guaranteed to play just those Canadian teams in the first two rounds, which means they don't have to go against those bigger teams that may be beating them in the past, the Tampas and the you know those teams that have, have defeated them before. They're just going to play the teams that they've already shown that they can run the table on. Um, in those first two rounds. So they made a big splash. I think they're winners. They didn't give up a whole lot. A couple a couple picks. I think the they gave up was uh, they gave up one first round pick in the Felino deal. Um, but other than that, second round picks and third, fourth, seventh, even seventh round picks. So I think big winners there. Um, Pittsburgh Penguins, kind of a quieter winner for me, but a Jeff Carter signing for uh, conditional picks is, is, a, is a good thing. Um, he's an older guy now, but I think he's a he can still score some goals. They've had some trouble depth wise. Um, I think they wanted to add a little more defensively, so they're kind of a you know kind of a winner to me. Um, Colorado Avalanche definitely a winner. They have been a hot team. They knew they needed a goalie. They got Dubnik um, from San Jose. Unfortunately, my man Greg Patterson, uh, who shout out to PJ Nessler trained out in California and Greg's a great dude. He's been getting traded a lot lately. Um, he seems to be a good player, but uh, kind of in that fifth to sixth defenseman range. So he's been the the topic. He went to Dallas, then he went to Colorado, then he went to uh, Montreal. He was in Montreal. Now he's going over to, um, to San Jose. So um, they were able to get Devin Dubnik though, able to get Nemeth back. Uh, he's already been in Colorado. That was another one um, just for a fourth round pick as well. So that's nice for them. And then Soderbergh, Soderbergh's not a huge signing, but could be someone to provide some depth for him. And all they did was lose Josh Dickinson, who Jason Dickinson's little brother from Dallas, which is cool. Um, he'll be joining the Central Division. He's an AHL guy still, but he'll be in the Central Division and ride, the rights to Ryder Rolston. So um, some big pickups there. Who would you say, Warren, let's say uh, between those three first winners there, who would you say the biggest winner for you is Pittsburgh, Colorado or Toronto? I think that you would say Toronto uh, just because like Felino is such a come up and no sin, like for their depth, like they got, they know that they got scoring, but then to get those like kind of playoff guys. And I think just adds to them both ways, uh, both sides of the ice and having Riddick, obviously, I mean, no, now that they have Campbell, there's like no question about their goaltending, but um, I just think that they really did a good job and, and it kind of just, it shows their whole season. Um, Colorado got what they needed, but it wasn't too flashy. But yeah, I think Toronto is just hard to say they didn't win all that. And then, oh, I looked it up too. It's uh, Jeff Carter had played for, he was drafted by Philly and played a few years there. So he's got, he's got some hate brewing for the Penguins, luckily, which will really help him out, I think. Or good. yeah, so, or yeah, he'll, he's used to their good, good. steel town. Yeah, I agree. I think Toronto definitely wins out there um, of those three. Uh, let's go into the bottom three of our winners here. So this one, I, I was actually surprised. I had them as a winner, but everywhere I'm reading right now, they kind of, People are saying they're losers of the deal, and I get both sides. But the Florida Panthers, uh, they so they lost Ekblad for the season. Huge defenseman. 
Yes, there were better options out there, but they were also at big prices. And Ekholm came off the list. Yossi came off the list because Nashville ended up being now. So there were some better names that they could have gone for, maybe gotten the Savard race a little bit. But they picked up uh, Brandon Montour from from Buffalo. So Montour is not he's – he's an older guy. He's not a top four guy. He's probably bottom bottom two pair. But they did, they did uh, assess that – missing piece a little bit so they're obviously putting trust in their other guys to step up and fill that hole for ekblad um so i can see on that end like we thought they'd be a bigger defenseman but there wasn't a whole lot of them out there it's not like there were john klingberg's floating around out in the in the world that you could just throw out there so um picked up brandon montour and then went ahead and got sam bennett like you said which is a great signing for them um he's not a you know top scorer anymore but he he can deliver he scored a bunch of goals against dallas in the playoffs he's got playoff experience he's got a ridiculous mustache beard combo um so i think that you know he he was a good signing for them and then they just recently got nikita gusaf from uh after he was released that wasn't a trade deadline that was a waiver pickup um but i think that they they did enough to to make a, a splash you know i think they they filled some of those holes and they let's not forget the Panthers. Yes. They're without um, Ekblad, but they're first in the division and they've been top three in the NHL all season long. So they don't need to be making huge steps to try to make the playoffs here. So I was a little surprised that they were picked as losers in this. I pick them as a winner, if not right in the middle. Um, and then the New York Islanders were another one that was kind of on the line because honors Lee was such a huge loss that they needed to fill that, that hole a little bit, or at least, fill a little bit below them so that some of their other guys can step up to that role. Um, and they got Palmieri and Zajac, both guys with, with playoff experience. They got Brandon Coburn and um, from Ottawa. So they picked up a couple pieces. New York is always a defensive team. They're always in the top five, same with Dallas and um, you know, those other team Boston that are always in that top five goals against. So they don't need to score a ton of goals. I think Paul Mary and Zajac will help them score a little bit more and allow them to to have a better chance to uh, to win some playoff series. But uh, the last winner, shocker, shocker, Detroit Red Wings. Um, not a winner in the traditional sense because they didn't get a whole bunch of players back, but we didn't think they were going to. But in their position, they were up the creek without a paddle in this situation. They were playing really bad hockey. They had guys not performing well. They ended up picking up uh, let's see. So they picked up, they now have 12 picks in the 2021 draft, which is absurd, a ridiculous amount. Five of those picks are in the first two rounds. They picked up first and second round picks for Mantha, along with Richard Panic and Jacob Vrana, who I think a lot of people did not think Mantha was worth that much. Jacob Vrana is a huge, huge potential player for them. Um, they got a fourth round pick for David Savard, fourth round pick for uh, Patrick Nemeth, and uh, Hayden Verbeek and a fifth round pick for John Merrill. So I think that the if you look at the total of what they picked up, they got a lot and they have a ton of picks. Um, they're trying to kind of speed up this process a little bit. They have a bunch of guys in their prospect pool. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say they are winners in this deadline because uh, they didn't lose a ton. They lost most of their aging guys. Mantha's really their only young guy they, they shipped out. Um, and he wasn't delivering for them anyway. So I think that the return is better than what they're getting rid of. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pick them as winners. So what do you think? Bottom three there, uh, just your thoughts on those three. 
I mean, I got the. I think the Red Wings are like a top three. I, I especially with just how their history of drafting uh, and, and Stevie Y at the helm. You know, that someone the team that picked up Dotsuk 171st overall and, and Zetterberg like 210th. You know, I, that they they do well with the lower rounds and obviously they do well with the higher rounds. I think like they're evidenced by Larkin and Zadina and, and guys that are kind of their future guys. So I think they're they were just really smart about it and knowing that they're in the rebuild and that they're just adding draft picks. You know, to some extent. There, I hope that they start like adding players, you know, but I, you know, they did that in the past and like, you know, picking up Mike Madonna is not going to help you or, or <laughs> any other, like, you know, big depth guys like Bernier, I think was a good pickup, but I was just really happy to see what, what the Red Wings kind of did. Um, I think the Islanders like also made really good moves with Palmieri and Zajac that I think the Islanders are, we'll talk about it more in the playoff preview, but they're gearing up to kind of make a jump in the East. So, but yeah, it, I think it was, and then Florida, like you said, I, I would echo just everything. So I think it'll be it, it's cool to see uh, guys in new places and hopefully some good futures for at least the Red Wings who are still ahead of the Sabres, but not yeah. going to make the playoffs anytime soon. Yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued to see how long this rebuild takes in Detroit because they're such a hockey town. They are built around success. They had, uh, you know, the, the ridiculously long playoff appearance streak. Um, so like you said, sometimes your, your rebuild includes veteran players because you can't just put a bunch of 21 year olds out there and hope they're going to turn into an NHL team. You have to have some guys to guide them and deliver a little bit of the, of the production while those guys are learning, but you have to balance that. And it's cool to see when that turns a little bit and they start adding a couple medium level guys. Then they add that big veteran. All of a sudden they're winning some games and they're in a playoff you know, hunt at least. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how long that takes for, for Detroit, but big, big props to them. They did a lot today as far as shipping players off. Um, but they got a lot more return than I think they, they thought they would. Um, all right, let's go to the losers. Now, uh, let's start with the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, I hate putting them in the losers. They're always losers in every area of the game. And I feel so bad saying it, but they don't win games. They don't win trades. They don't win the off season. They just, they need to figure it out over there. Um, their big piece was Taylor Hall, and they got basically nothing back for it. Um, they got rid of Hall and Curtis Lazar. They got Anders Bork, not a huge deal, and a second-round pick, and they had to keep 50% of Hall's salary. That's not – I mean, I, I, you know me. I don't think Taylor Hall is as good as people say he is, but – Everybody else seems to. So you, they should have gotten back more than they did from Boston um, for that pickup. And they are they are big losers again today. And Eichel has just got to be burying his head in the sand in Buffalo, um, not knowing what to do because his his play his teammates are all getting shipped off and they're winning no games. Um, so tough one for Buffalo again. Um, we'll see what happens in the summer with them. The other one for me, Winnipeg Jets, we just talked about it. They're a legit contender. Their only piece, they have one of the best goalies in the NHL. Their top six, top nine forwards even are better than anyone else in the NHL. All they needed was one defenseman to help them out a little bit. And it didn't even have to be a top two guy, you know, because there weren't really them out there. But Jordy Ben is not it. Jordy Ben is a seventh defenseman that fits into your while has a little bit of a veteran presence um turns the puck over more than anybody i've seen in my lifetime but he had some success in vancouver he had some success in montreal he had once in a while success in dallas but he is not 
the guy they needed, and that has to be a huge disappointment. I'm assuming they were in trying to get um, David Savard. I'm assuming they were in. I know some teams were trying to convince Dallas to let go of Alexiak, so they were probably in on that boat. Um, but that's got to hurt them a lot, um, and it'll be really tough for them now to match up with some of these teams in the playoffs with the depth they have on defense. They might have to outscore some teams and have Hellebuck just be a Vesna goalie in the playoffs. But um, the other loser for me, everyone else has them as winners on their list. I read through everyone's winners and losers, and everybody has the Boston Bruins as a winner. I do not think they are. They did get some decent pieces, and the biggest part is that they didn't pay a whole lot for Taylor Hall. Um, Like we just said, Andres Bjork in a second-round pick, they got Hall and Lazar back. That's not a lot. Although there were better pieces out there. So it, it, yes, they didn't pay a whole lot for him, but as we know, and as me and I think Warren agrees, Taylor Hall seems, when has he had success? Besides his first couple of years, he has not been a successful player. He's gone everywhere. He's always the guy on the top of the list. Who's going to sign Taylor Hall. And then he goes there and scores two goals in 40 games. And they're like, Oh, it's cause he's in Buffalo or, Oh, it's cause he's on this team. No, it's cause he's not a good player. He's not a good teammate. He's notoriously not liked on his teams very much. And he, there's a reason why he's tossed around the trade pool every year. So take a deep breath, but I don't think he's as good as they say he is. And I really think that Boston should have gone for a better player because they need help scoring. Um, they did pick up Mike Riley on, on defense, but again, they, their biggest things where we need some help on defense. I just watched their, one of their games yesterday and they have one player, one defenseman playing right now that played in their starting lineup on the opening night. So they are getting crushed on the defensive end. Mike Riley is a decent signing, but they, I think they needed more and I don't think they got enough. So, while I calm down over here, Warren, of those losers, who do you think is the biggest loser of the day? Um, and do you have anyone else that maybe should have done better? Sam, I feel for you, man. Take, take, take a minute. Not a big Taylor Hall fan. It's okay. Yeah, his last season was like 2017, 2018. I was just looking at it. He scored 93 points, but he's just never been up to snuff since then. He's got two goals this year. Maybe Boston has the support mechanisms in place for him. You know, he's played in pretty in pretty rough franchises. And I would, so I would agree with his critic or his, his supporters that he's never been, you know, in a, in a group that has really supported him well being in Buffalo, Arizona, and New Jersey, the last three seasons. So I, but I still agree. I, I think that Boston kind of missed out, but I, I think the biggest loser I agree is Winnipeg that they could have added a defensive guy that Morrissey's going to be a, a number one for them. And Hellbuck's going to have to stand on his head a little bit. Um, but hopefully that they can get the kind of play out of that back end unit that they need. But, I don't think Jordy Ben um, passing the puck to the other team is going to help him out too much. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it'll be tough to see, but some other teams just that, uh, like we said, Florida did, was, I mean, uh, Philadelphia was looking to do more um, on either side. They didn't really do a whole lot. Dallas and Carolina kind of stood pat. Dallas signed Sammy Vatanen as a waiver, but any trades. Which, um, Columbus was was biggest winners as far as. Um, in returns as well. They got they got two first rounders, a third rounder, and a fourth round pick, um, which gives them three first round picks next season or next year this summer in the draft. Um, so a lot of other teams, you know, didn't make didn't make big moves, but um, like we said, we knew it would be a little quieter this year. So trade deadline now has come and passed. Everybody is in their team uh, organizations that they're in. So before we jump into playoff. Uh, predictions. Let's just chat real quick. Dallas Stars, uh, as we always do, they are making some noise in the Central Division. They have they have won 
I believe they are three, no, five, three and one in their last, you know, nine games. They're starting to win. I think they're two oh and one in the last three. So they're getting points. Um, unfortunately, they're still unable to win past regulation. They lost in the shootout last night to Nashville. Uh, could have pulled within three points and three games in hand if they won that game. Uh, now they are six points back. Still three games in hand. Still in a decent spot. Um, but they're now two and eleven past regulation, uh, which is really tough. Um, but I mean, essentially, they need. They have five games at home this week. They still play Detroit four times. They still play Columbus. I think three times. Nashville doesn't play those teams at all anymore. Um, Nashville, they, they still play Nashville one more time. And Dallas will play uh, Chicago the last two games of the season. So um, in terms of schedule, I think Dallas has the second or the, the 18th hardest schedule remaining and Nashville has the second. So, um, you know, they're not in a bad spot. They really are starting to put some things together. Um, it seems to be now two out of three wins or at least points a four versus the other way was always one, one, one back and forth. Um, Jamie Ben's starting to get going. He has five, five or six power play goals. Now this month, uh, this month after he's in the season, Jason Robertson is making as much noise for the Calder trophy as he possibly can, uh, scored a, a couple more goals in against Florida on Saturday. Um, and just, they just look like they're ready to make a push. And, Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop are all skating, are both skating now back in Frisco. They should join the taxi squad in the next week or so. And Jim Nil said that he's thinking that Ben Bishop is about 10 days away from playing and Tyler Sagan's about two weeks away from playing. So that gives them about 10 games left if they do come back around that time. Um, Alexander Radulov, unfortunately, is going to get checked out. They're going to make the decision on whether he needs surgery or can play through it. So um, that's hopeful. The other good news for the Stars, though, Rope Hintz played five games straight, which is the first time he's done that since January. Um, he's been in and out of the lineup all season. He is dominating. He got third star of the week this week. He scored in almost every game he plays, no matter how injured he is. Um, so that's been really, really big for them because not having Sagan and Radulov in there, Kiviranta has been out. Um, he will also be soon. Uh, they needed someone to step up. Gurionov wasn't doing it. Ben wasn't doing it. Pavelski kind of was quieting down a little bit. Robertson and Hintz stepped up and just took over, and they look like the top duo in the league right now uh, the last month, dominating in every game. So as of right now, Stars are six points behind the Predators with three games in hand. Um, still plenty of room, plenty of time to make it up, and it'll be interesting uh, to see, especially now Bishop's going to come back. Um, so they kind of have a three-goalie situation where they might they're going to keep Ottinger, obviously, on the taxi squad. Um, and be a little safe with Bishop and not play overplay him. So um, good news for the Stars, not great news, we'll say that. They signed, they signed Sammy Vatanen. Uh, Sekiro got hurt last night in Nashville, and Mark Pesic got hurt a couple of games ago, so they knew that they needed some depth. They're playing, I think it's 17 games in the next 30 days, uh, which is the hardest schedule. Now Vancouver, I think, is doing the same thing because they just missed two weeks, basically. Um so they know that injuries are going to happen. Doctors know that there's going to be injuries playing that many. They added a little depth. But um, let's jump in now. Playoff predictions. So let's start with the Central Division that we were just talking about. Warren, who makes your top four in the Central in a, about a month when the season ends? Yeah, I got um, – I think Florida is going to keep trucking. I think I have them one out of Tampa and then Carolina. And I agree with you. I think Dallas is going to be that fourth seed. Um, I think that 
finishing it out, I agree that the Predators have a bit harder schedule. They don't look like, you know, I think they're close with the Stars, but I just think that maybe the Stars are able to close it out. Uh, I just don't see the Blackhawks really making enough noise, even though they are uh, a little bit ahead of the Stars now. So I think I, I think the Stars will finish it out, yeah. yeah. What about you with the Central? Yeah, I know. I agree with you. I have the same numbers. The, the top three, we kind of throw in any order at this point because all so mm-hmm. close. Um, I think Carolina is first right now. It's, they're ju- they basically just been yeah. jumping back and forth between the three. Uh, so the the funny part about that is that you got to remember two and three play each other in the first round. So it is a massive difference for that for whoever wins the division. And a lot of divisions are close, but I think nothing is as close as the top three in the Central. I think the t- those top three teams are also top five in the entire NHL. Um, so winning that division is huge. I think Florida does it. Uh, Tampa has been a little inconsistent lately. Carolina would be my to win it if someone was to, to kind of shoot out of the gap. But I also think Dallas makes the run. Dallas, I think, has faced more than enough adversity for the entire league. And I think they'll find a way to, to come in um, there. But Chicago is making it as hard as they possibly can on themselves. They've just been dropping significantly. Nashville, I think, has won like 10 of the last 12 or something. Um, it was pretty much done the opposite. So I agree with you, though, um, which would make some interesting matchups. I really hope if Dallas does make it, I would pick Florida to win if I could be as a Stars fan because they've played the best against Florida um, of any of those teams. I do not want them to play Tampa right away, and Carolina is a really hard team to play night in and night out, um, and they've had a lot of success against Florida. So, all right, in the West, I'll go first on the West here. I have Colorado winning. They're starting to make a, um, a little bit of a gap between them and Vegas, who have been kind of back and forth. I have Colorado winning that division. Vegas coming in second. Uh, I think Minnesota stands tall. Minnesota's been a quiet team. Uh, they've been a really good team. They're in the playoffs, um, but they haven't. you haven't heard a whole lot about them. They haven't made a ton of moves. They haven't done a lot. I think they stay in that third spot. And then I actually have Arizona uh, t- overtaking St. Louis for that fourth fi- and final spot in there. So uh, who do you have in the West? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Save us some time. I think Avalanche are just on a freaking tear. And the Knights are not going to budge. Those top two, the Wild are really solid. Coral Cap, the Soft's probably going to win the Calder. And then I think the Coyotes are going to overtake the Blues. That that they just have an easier schedule coming forward. The Blues are kind of tanking, and and um, yeah, I think that's going to be a four. Yeah, I, let me just throw out uh, hash starts in for Calder. Um, East Division, uh, who do you got there? I got the Isles overtaking Washington for the top. I think that they're set. They just picked up Paul Mary. They're going to be ripping. Um, I think that, oh, God, Barzell is just one of the best players in the NHL. And then I think Pittsburgh and Boston round that out. It's hard to see them moving too much. Pittsburgh and Boston are such strong teams. Um, Boston and Pittsburgh also have arguably the easiest schedules to finish out, um, remaining schedule strength. And I just don't see the Rangers or the Flyers really making any noise. They have it the whole season. So I think that gap's just going to keep getting bigger. Yeah. If I was to pick anybody to, to make a, a move, it'd be the Rangers who have just nonstop scored like eight plus goals every night. Um, but Boston's starting to make a little bit of a gap and they got the, the biggest guy, Taylor Hall. Um, they also play Buffalo six more times, uh, which is funny in two ways, because how did that happen where that got, six games in this last month, but also they get to play against the Buffalo Taylor Hall's old team six more times um, before the end of the year. So very easy schedule for them. Um, as far as the I anyway, all, all four, um, I think Washington and New York could be switched um, depending on how I play without Lee, but uh, pretty much the same four. 
as fourth, I have Toronto winning it all. They've been the most all season. Um, Winnipeg comes out in second, despite their not having help on defense. Edmonton, who um, I hope to make a run because they've they've got the guys. Um, they just can't seem to defend well enough. Um, but they're in the third spot. I think they stay there. And then Montreal, I really, really hoped would would been doing, um, is in that fourth spot and got a couple additions on the trade day round. But who do you have for the fourth and final uh, division North? Yeah, nothing exciting. I, I completely agree with you. I don't think the Flames are going to be able to hop in that fourth spot. The Canucks are just not living really up to potential, which is unfortunate. Um, and they also missed so much time, so playing that amount of games left that they have. So, I, yeah, I agree with those couple. Yeah. Um, cool. So, well, there you have it. We have our, our questions. Let's see how accurate we are in about a month when the season comes to an end. Some great matchups there, too. Um, if you look at I mean, obviously, every matchup is going to be good because we know that it's all in interdivision, but um, there's going to be some really fun playoff matchups uh, no matter what happens there. So I want to go ahead and say one last thing before we sign off here. Last week we had Warren said uh, that my next goal was going to be a garbage goal, um, either deflection or rebound. I want to go ahead and say that I saw a breakaway from my own blue line, back, <laughs> forehand, backhand, buried it on the goalie. So you are wrong on that one. But I do want to follow that up with a question for you. So I scored on my first breakaway, forehand, backhand move. I come down on my second breakaway. What would you do in that situation if you had just scored on that move? I mean, it's men's league, so the same move's going to work all night. <laughs> <laughs> the goalie did a butterfly. As soon as he saw you get to the slot. So I think whatever, you come in with speed. But you know me, I like missing Forsberg. So at least when I when I don't score, it looks cool doing it, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, that was not what I was expecting. I was hoping for a little bit of support. I thought way too much about it and I had way too much time. The breakaway, I'm not kidding, was from the top of my own circle. So I had a week to think about it. Um, I thought you went backhand last time. So maybe you sell the shot and then you shoot the shot. And uh, he got his glove on it. Let's just say that. Um, I don't think I hit my spot, but I was overthinking it. So I was curious, hoping you would agree with me, but definitely uh, didn't get that one on my way. So Anyway, this was the trade deadline special. Uh, we'll be back regular time on, on Sunday next week. Um, and we're starting to close down, man. We don't have college to talk about anymore. We, we're starting to get closer and closer to the playoffs, um, both in men's league and in the NHL, equally as important. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, any last thoughts before we sign off here? Tweet at Sam Nessler. Listen, uh, read his, his Dallas Stars stuff if you, if you don't get enough of it here. Um, or just, you know, troll him a little bit. He needs some heat to, to keep it going. So, but yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining, man. And we will see you next week on the Slapshot Sammy podcast. Later. Later.